Welcome to the Politics of Everything. I'm Amber Danes, your host and podcast producer. This is a half hour of power, a podcast dropping every week where I unpack the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment, quality, and much, much more. Our guests are seasoned in the field or topic of their choice, even if you've not heard of them yet. This is a non-partisan show. So while I love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate of ideas, this is not a purely blue, white, green program. Please subscribe, tune in and enjoy the politics of everything. Mentoring can change your life and your career if done right. One of my standard guest questions I always ask is who is their number one mentor and their impact? Most of my formal mentors have been local, as in the same city or at least the same country, and global mentorship has been limited perhaps by these state ideas of what is community, how can I access these people, and how is their relevance going to work for me in decades gone by? Today, I'm in conversation with Sahara Samar, the founder of a social enterprise, Profit for Purpose, called Worldwide Sheroes, or WWS. It focuses on leadership capacity building by empowering women of diversity and disadvantage to rise to their leadership potential. Their global mission is to support women to achieve economic equality and inclusive leadership and to measure its impact through the UN Sustainable Development Goals. In her own words, this is not your mainstream women's mentorship program. They provide mentorship through global mentors within 10 industry categories, connecting women in the developed world with women who are from emerging economies. These mentors are senior women in C-suite or senior management roles who are passionately working with aspiring and emerging leaders from countries as diverse as Syria, Afghanistan, India, and South Africa. Mentees come from international developmental agencies such as Aga Khan Foundation, Host International, and Migrant Resource Centres. The global vision for WWS is to grow, establish meaningful and aligned partnerships so they can fully digitize the platform, strengthen the learning and development programs and build greater awareness. Sahara is drawing upon her own many years of global corporate experience in talent and leadership management to strengthen leadership capability for international development projects and capacity building projects. She utilizes neuroleadership, positive psychology and values-based leadership to develop emotionally intelligent leaders and a well-being culture. Inclusive mentorship and a global vision is what has resulted. So welcome to the politics of everything. Thank you and thank you for that introduction. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be. Since 2017, I have relied on Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution to make the process quick and painless, the way podcasting should be. If you know me, I'm pretty obsessed with quality guests, quality content and quality sound, and that's what Zencaster allows me to do. Not to mention, it's really easy to use, even for my guests that aren't particularly tech savvy. There's nothing to download. They just click on the link and we start recording. Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy and with everything from local recording to automatic post-production all in the one tool, you don't have to leave your browser to get each episode done. I want you to have the same great experience that I do for all my podcasts and content needs. So I have a special offer for you. If you go to zen.ai forward slash politics of everything and enter this promo code, you'll get 30% off in your first three months when you sign up to Zencaster Pro. That's zen.ai, politics of everything. It's now time to share your story. So let me take you back to when you were younger. Do you remember what you wanted to be as a kid? What were your childhood ambitions? And I guess, did you get there? What was your early career like? 
Yeah, it's so interesting because I didn't actually have a lot of ambition as a child. I uh, grew up in Kenya, actually, and I remember being a very complacent child, being told, I call it being the good girl. I was very (laughs) much the good girl. I did everything I was told, everything that was expected of me, pretty much uh, seen and not heard. And, you know, as I was reflecting back, I thought, you know, what 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 really pivoted my thinking, I guess, as I started to grow up was the fact that I was very determined to to want to leave a legacy, to add value to people's lives. I didn't want my life to count for nothing. And I don't know why that seemed to be a very strong calling in me. So while it wasn't ambition that drove me, I really think it was purpose that drove me. And even though I couldn't articulate that, it's something I have been chasing all along in, in my careers. And I have changed a few careers over the time just to really align to that whole uh, concept of being purposeful. So getting on to today's topic, what are the main ways that I guess we access leadership development these days and how has that changed over time? Look, I think it has changed a lot. Leadership development used to be very classroom oriented. We used to all sit there and learn about what leadership was, leadership theory and, uh, you know, those sorts of elements. And now it's very much experiential. It's very much in the moment. It's online. It's through mentorship. It's through seeing role models, learning from other people's experience. And I think that's a much better intuitive way to really learn about leadership. And and that's really the, the, the path we're taking. So how exactly does global mentorship work best at a practical level and an impact level from your experience? And perhaps do you have some examples to share with us if we can't sort of picture what that might look like? Yeah, look, it is really interesting because it's a global network. We're connecting women from completely different worlds whilst we're working within industry categories. So we might be working in health or education, you know, so they've got some commonality. The women that we connect often are from very different worlds. And so what's working for us really is taking a very co-creation approach. So we don't, you know, the mentors are trained not to necessarily be out there just sharing their own experience, but helping their mentee to co-create solutions that work best for them in their world and in their space. And we work very much at creating the psychological safety that enables these women to, to be comfortable to open up. And a couple of examples, really, you know, we've had some really great outcomes already. We've got one young lady, for example, in northern Pakistan who is working with young women in schools and trying to ensure that they stay in school. And so she works in the educational sector, if you like. So we connected her with a a mentor that's very senior practitioner here in the educational space. And together, they've really started to open her mind about what's possible and how she needs to communicate and engage parents and how to build community around her school. And it's really, as I said, helping her to strengthen her position. And so we're seeing some great results there. She's now actually gone for a more senior position within her school. So, you know, we're really excited to hear that. And another example I could share quickly is that there's a young lady from Malawi who's always been very interested in starting her own enterprise, and it's a social enterprise as well, working with sanitary products for for girls in schools. So we've really worked with her, and now she's in the U.S. on a scholarship, trying to really build her own expertise and her own uh, leadership capabilities. So I think, you know, it does work. It's just we've got to be very sensitive about how we do it. And we've got to be, you know, as I said, very empathetic and and, and work with the women 
in, in a very different way. Absolutely. So what actually led you to form SheRose? And I guess why is the focus on female leaders only? I mean, you know, obviously there was more inequality and injustice, but do you feel like you need to bring men into that conversation as well? Yeah, great question. So uh, SheRose came really through COVID, <laughs> as most of us had to start to rethink our, our world. I was uh, traveling a lot, running a global leadership consulting business and all the travel stopped therefore I had to you know think about what was I going to do it was a really great time to take stock for all of us and I, I realized I had a very strong network of corporate women and also a very strong network in the developing world because I had taken my business out into um, many other countries where I wanted to work with emerging economies and it's through that that I realized, you know, the women in these emerging economies are amazing. They have courage. They have resilience. They just don't have opportunity. And often they miss out on leadership positions. They lead, They don't think of themselves as leaders. If I even mention the word leadership to them, they, you know, they say, no, that's not me. So I thought that was fascinating. And I really wanted to uh, bring these two worlds together. And so I started the concept of Shiro's. And when you started, was it like, did you have some women in mind from a mentor and mentee perspective or were you just putting that out there to the world? Oh, no, very much uh, focused. I ran a lot of focus groups, firstly, with mentees. I had groups and networks. I pulled them together. I ran about three focus groups, uh, one in India, one in uh, Africa, one in Australia, just to see, uh, you know, and question these young women, what were they doing? What were their challenges? What would help them? And with mentors, I have a huge corporate network. So I had a lot of women in mind already. I formed an advisory committee first, and they're, they're scattered around the world. And together, we've shaped Shiro's and, and our mission going forward. So it's been a lot of networking. Women do that really well. <laughs> Even in COVID, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. So just Absolutely. to answer the question about the female leaders, I think it's an important question. I, the reason we focused on female leadership was mainly because, particularly in these emerging economies, women don't seem to have a place at the table. They really struggle to be heard. They struggle with agency, making decisions. You know, when, whenever there's peace talks, there aren't very many women around the table. So firstly, I, I particularly felt very strongly that why are the, these women disadvantaged when they have so much to offer? So that was the focus on women leaders from that perspective. And we know that when women lead, they impact communities and families much more significantly than when males lead. But uh, the other, I think, factor was uh, we're not excluding males, I think is really important to mention. It's just at the moment, we've only been running 12 months and we are really trying to get our feet on the ground and therefore connecting women across the, you know, the countries in the, the world, not excluding men, but we will bring them in as we, as we are more comfortable with what we're doing. You mentioned this then, you've just celebrated your first birthday, so happy birthday to She Rose. You now have 550 plus hours of mentoring under your belt, 60 plus mentors and working in 35 countries, which is highly impressive. How do you plan to keep expanding your reach, I guess, into new areas or industries or is there a kind of a cap on what you're expecting to do so that you can contain it or is it sky's the limit stuff? <laughs> The sky's the limit, really, for me. I, I just have this huge vision because there's so many women in need. 
you know, the World Economic Forum actually says that we are 135 years away from economic equity, and that just did not sit well with me. And so that really spurred me into action. So, you know, we are expanding into geographies. I'm talking to Turkey. I'm talking to different countries. Every every other day I get calls. So I think the opportunities are great. We also want to expand into different industry sectors. We're definitely keen on STEM. We know that's an area that's very important moving forward. And uh, there aren't enough women, particularly from the developing world, in STEM areas. So we're, we're really wanting to strengthen that. And of course, we're very keen to start working with First Nations women. And I feel, again, very strongly that we can connect First Nations women across the globe. Uh, there are 90 different Indigenous groups across mm, uh, the world. Uh, so we do have a lot of opportunity to expand our reach. How can global mentorship be done well? And I guess what are the barriers that you've kind of witnessed or experienced to, to kind of make it more seamless? Because obviously it's a challenge and even the fact you've mentioned there are so many different First Nations groups across the world that probably would have all very unique in some ways differences but also I guess commonalities as well. But how have you seen the kind of barriers be broken down so far? Yeah, so look, I think more than barriers, they're challenges. I think, uh, firstly, the positive side is that everyone seems super keen. There's, there's, we're not, we're not needing to convince anyone. So everyone's on board, both on both sides. The mentees are super excited that they've got someone that they can work with. The mentors are equally super excited. So that helps a lot. We've, we've got willing partners on, on, on those fronts. And then it's really about working through some of the challenges. And I think the challenges are some of the practical ones are really internet access. Sometimes it's language. We're at the moment only focusing on English. So should we ever expand into other languages, there's definitely that possibility also. I'm very selective with our mentors. We we interview all the mentors. We have recorded interviews of their journey, what they do, that they are aligned to our values and our purpose. And that makes a big difference because then they persevere through some of these challenges. They recognize this is not corporate mentoring. It's actually a very different it's, it's really women mentoring women. And so we do push through some of those bar- barriers and challenges. Some of the other, as I said, we, we take a very open approach to help the women feel really comfortable to build trust so that they recognize that their mentor is someone they can just lean on, really. Not that they will provide all the solutions, provide all the answers, source you know, funding or or sourcing careers. That's not what we're doing. We're really there to build a scaffolding on which they can climb. And that's made very clear to both parties. So I think, you know, we've been working through a lot of those barriers fairly well. How do you monetize mentorship? And is that part of the value proposition of Shiro's? Or is there some sort of other return on investment you're looking for? It's really about impact. And I, right from the beginning, was very clear that this is a social our social responsibility, and we've built that into the platform. So with regards to monetizing, you know, we do charge a membership fee, but it's fairly minimal. We are now at a point where we need to start thinking about how do we create a a stronger business model so that we can be sustainable and we can expand and, you know, in the areas that we want. And so I guess, yes, this is a, it's a really great question. I don't know that we'll monetize mentorship per se, but we do need to start looking at offering, for example, courses or leadership training or some kind of supplementary offer, complementary offer, I should say, where we can actually then charge and monetize. But the mentorship will, yeah, is very minimal. It's really by membership. 
Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense in terms of the model. So this is a great question for you and it's a question I ask all my guests. Who's been, who has been your most important career or life mentor and why? You know, that is such a fascinating question considering I'm in the mentoring space. <laughs> That's what I thought. I'm just like, this has to be asked. I know. And the funny thing is I cannot recall any one particular mentor that has shaped me fully and I have leveraged so many women along this journey. And so I think for me it has been that scaffolding. It's using mentors in very different aspects. My advisory team are mentors. Some of the women I've admired along the journey are mentors. So I I have just really gone and connected with a lot of, and partly that was my mission when I wanted to to talk to corporate women and, and really see what were their success factors and you know, how how would they like to be mentors, has really been for my own learning and my own journey. So I think my answer would be that it's been a mosaic, if I may say, (laughs) of different mentors for different parts of, of my journey. And I've really enjoyed that. That's been a great way to go. Absolutely. So if we spoke again in a year's time, which would be your second anniversary, what would be your number one goal to have achieved and why? Well, I'm hoping uh, that we will have really started on our expansion. You mentioned digitization in the opening. We are at the process now of becoming more formally digitized. We're working with Microsoft, and that's really a wonderful opportunity for Worldwide Shiro's. And uh, so, yes, in a year's time, we should be digitized and we should have started to expand into other countries and started our journey towards linking First Nations women. So... And a final takeaway message for us today on the politics of global mentors. Yeah, look, I think this is not, this is a huge mission we're on and it's not achievable alone. So uh, what I'd love to say is, uh, you know, we're really looking for aligned partners, people who have, who want to join with us on this journey, who want to come along and support us and work with us. We have a lot to accomplish and therefore we really do need some very committed and dedicated partners. Absolutely. Well, I wish you well. And of course, um, I'm sure lots of people out there, their ears are tingling and they're thinking I could probably support you in some way. So if you do want to connect further, of course, there'll be some details on our show notes. Until next time, take care. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, I thrive on your feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network through Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. I'm always on the hunt for new and diverse guests. So if you or someone you know has a fresh idea you're busting to get out there, please email me at amber at amberdanes.com and my crew will get back to you very soon.